We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaytoshaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hi, I'm Jeff Hunt. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. This is part two of our episode on Gumbo Social, the pop-up set to become a brick and mortar this spring on 3rd Street in the Bayview. We continue our chat with Mr. Gumbo himself, Dante Ball. If you want to get in on some delicious gumbo, po' boys, or seriously good breakfast sandwiches before the spot on 3rd Street opens, head to Sunset Mercantile any Sunday morning. Here's Dante. The 90s is such an interesting time because teenagers and young adult in the same kind of era, right? Mm -hmm. Seeing the emergence of different types of music and, you know, my community, a good amount of violence. Mm -hmm. You know, what I recall back from that was was good times, Mm -hmm. right? Although one of these years, I think the San Francisco had like had a super high murder rate. People were getting killed like a a person a day. It was something insane, but... You know, through that, hardening my awareness, street smarts, as you'll say, Mm -hmm. and it did two things. One, it built, you know, growing up in the hood, it built a hard shell. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, I learned how to cap. Mm -hmm. I learned how to defend myself physically and mentally by having to, you know, if I got to talk shit to somebody, you know, I know how to, I know how to interact. What I learned from that was not to take things personally. Mm, yep. That's a hard lesson to learn. Yeah. I feel like. So it, it toughened me. It's taking your ego out. Yeah. yeah. It, it toughened me. Yeah. That's the benefit of that. The, the negative part of that is if you don't understand how to release that hard shell when you're dealing with other people from other cultures, mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people from other parts of the city, mm-hmm when you're dealing with people of the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever it is, relationships, you gotta, you have to know how to soften yourself a little bit mm-hmm. or humble yourself as well. Mm-hmm. And so I would say I had to learn that as an adult, Okay, how to, uh, not necessarily social skills, but I, I needed to learn how to just tone it down a bit. Yeah. So, you know, I knew in my mind, you know, I'm coming from this place, this is a hard place to come from. I'm making it out of this place. So I had a little chip on my shoulder, a little arrogant, I would say, Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I I had to learn how to really mature, be humble. And that's why I was saying earlier that the time at Delfina helped because I had to learn that my my shit stunk. Mm, Yeah. I had to learn that I didn't know anything. Right. It taught me how to to see the world in a different light. Was Delfina your first restaurant job? You called it an externship. Yeah. So how how did it all come about? Yeah, so um, it wasn't my first restaurant job. My first restaurant job was I worked at a senior center, a living assistance home in Burlingame. Okay. And that was a great experience because uh, one of my first mentors, Mr. Ramos, he's a person that really, like during high school, um, I took a, a class which is called a uh, ROP class, which means a regional occupational program. Okay. What it was designed to do was to give high school students 
trade access. To get in at places. Yeah. The city, being the city, mistakenly removed those programs from high schools. Okay. So I don't know Whoops. if those are okay. Right. I don't know if those ROP classes still exist, mm -hmm. but when I told the student academic counselor, Jody Tapas, who's just an amazing human in her own right, she searched for like three weeks to find something culinary. And she's like, look, I can't find anything. And then something came up on her radar. She found, this is the days of, you gotta remember, this is 1999. Okay. So internet is what it is. A lot of it's phone call. You gotta know a guy. We still had phone books back then. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was Nokia brick phones, no Instagram, no yeah. Twitter. And there was no, there was no social media. Right. There was no social media. I think MySpace was just coming about. That sounds about right. Yeah. So Jody found this thing for me and she's like, I got it. She's like, this is the kicker. It's English as a second language. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be in a class with adults that don't know English. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I want to cook. Yeah. I want to cook. And little did I know I needed those credits to graduate high school. Okay. Because my first, my first year of high school, my old man wasn't around, right? My mom worked full time. Mm -hmm. Her boyfriend really didn't care, right? Whether I went to school or not, mm -hmm. you know, leave it up to him. Him and I would be drinking 40 ounces at 10 a.m. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't really indulge in school for the, like my first year. Right. And so I went to go play football. At your school or? Yeah, at school. Okay. Right? Okay. I went to McAteer, okay. which is now Soda, right. the School of the Arts. Went there and then uh, there's a day where you get the grades and we all know that day's coming. Okay? <laughs> we, you know if you made your grades or not. Yeah, you have an idea usually. Yeah. yeah. That was the day of reckoning for me. Okay. That's your fir your freshman year? Yeah. Okay. My last name is Ball, so I'm like first Drop on the, the list. Drop the ball. Yeah. Drop your shit and go. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so embarrassing, man. So now you're at the end of high school and you're getting this, what is it called, ROP? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's how you ended up in, in Burlingame? Or? Yeah. I did ROP classes my sophomore year and junior year okay. of high school. And senior year, I was like, fuck that, I'm going to play football. Mm -hmm. So I left that alone. But uh, Mr. Ramos was the instructor. He believed deeply in me and, and, and thought that... He's like, I see a lot of me and you. And, you know, again, just hearing his story, right? Immigrant, Philippines, you know, he was a banker. Him and his wife brought a house. They sell their house so he can go to culinary school. He goes to culinary school uh, up in Napa, becomes this, becomes this great chef. Dang. Cooked for presidents. Yeah. You know, he promises his wife that he's going to rebuy that house. They buy the same house they sold. Mm. Right. Just an amazing story. But I learned a lot of values from him. Positive influence. The value of work. Perseverance. The value of being a man of your word. Mm -hmm. Showing up somewhere. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea in the restaurant industry. Show up early, leave late. And not necessarily. Back then it was abuse. Right. But the DNA of it is. No, you show up early because that that's your core as a human, mm -hmm. right? You wanna you wanna do a good job. You leave late because you wanna do a good job. Mm -hmm. Has nothing to do with abusing the team. It's everything to do with you as an individual. Mm -hmm. And that's just a mindset. It's coming from you versus coming at you. Yeah. From someone else saying you have to do this. It's like you you do it to be of service, like we're yeah. like and we're you, talking and you about. You bust your tail, and if you bust your tail you reap the rewards later. Totally. Which I, which I think I'm, I'm reaping the rewards of hard work today. I'll 
second that for sure. So you're at, was was Berlin game the first time you had cooked outside of the home? Yeah. Okay. The outside of you got a taste of it. Doing some little things here and there and selling plates and you know. Okay, you did a little bit of that. Did a little bit of that. Had a candy house every summer and you know would f- always find some business idea to do car wash or whatever. So you were always a little bit of an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. The culinary is just my pathway into entrepreneurship. Right. Absolutely. That's your. That's the rail that you're on. That's it. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So then what happened after food-wise, what happened after Burlingame and, and high school? Yeah. Yeah. So I left there, decided to go to culinary school. And then from there, I went to City College. And that was probably one of the best decisions of my life. I remember sitting in the academic office of the California Culinary Academy, which is no longer there. <laughs> the other CCA. Yeah. There's two of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. You like go there and the guy's like, hey, well, Mrs. Ball, your son's great, great student. And she kind of laughs. She's like, no, no, he isn't. <laughs> so my, Dang, son, my, yeah, no, my son barely graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Let's leave the antics alone. Mm-hmm. The truth is, you know, my son loves culinary. Uh, and she was like, well, what's the price? The guy's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be 60000 Oh. She looks at the paper, looks at me, looks back at the paper, closed the little folder, manila folder it's in, slides it back to the guy in like such a G manner, taps on the folder and says, thank you. He's like, oh, what do you mean? You guys going to sign? She's like, no. She's like, my son's going to go to City College for free. And I'm like, mom, no, we're going here. She's like, no, we're not. She's like, I I thank you, but let's do the math on this. Mm And this is before they lost their accreditation. She's like, you're saying that my son's going to make X? She's like, no, he's not. He's going to probably going to make $9 an hour. Right. This is, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. And it was the best decision of my life because academically I wasn't strong. I'm not a, I wasn't a good writer. I sucked at reading. Like I, I needed, I needed more whole skills. Mm-hmm. So going to city college was the best decision ever. Nice. Because I, I was able to hone the math, the reading, all that stuff that I, I didn't think I needed. Mm. Right. I didn't think I, when you're that, that age. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I just want to cook. Right. Mr. Keys, the, the legendary Mr. Keys would say, yeah, you can cook, but can you read a recipe? Mm. And he'd say, I'm going to do you one better. You're going to be a cook all your life. You're going to manage some people one day, right? You're going to be a worker bee. Yeah, man, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That changed my tone to say, all right, I do need to work on these other things, at least tighten them up a little bit mm-hmm. so I can keep elevating myself. So City College was a great decision. Mm. Let's talk about Delfina. How'd that happen? Delfina, who just reopened, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't been in yet. It's a tr- The space itself is a trip. Yeah. It looks completely different. I hear I've seen it's beautiful. Pictures. I've seen pictures. Fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um, and it's this, virtually the same menu. You know, the same people running it. So that wood burning oven's not there anymore. I hear. Yeah, that's too bad. I got a, I got a fun story about that. Okay. Delfina happens at the time in culinary school. I was in love with bread. Thought I wanted to be a baker. Okay. And uh, Tartines was the place. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad and Elizabeth, I was like, oh, like stocking those guys, like mm-hmm. <laughs> hoping to try to get a meeting with them. Mm-hmm. And I can remember me and my girlfriend uh, at the time, we went uh, to Tartines and we got a, we got a pastry. I was like, you want to have dinner? We went next door, Delfina. Mm. I remember our, our server, who became a really good friend of mine, Adam. We pop in and 
didn't really plan to have dinner, but we sat at the at the counter. Okay. Oh yeah, we're on the right side. Back in the day, when you walked in, mm -hmm. there was a counter, a little bar seating counter seating on the left hand side. Okay. And then you, as you go right, there was the counter at the, the bar. bar. That's what yeah. I thought you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, you went to, okay to the other one, mm -hmm. and we pop in. I'm just like looking around, I'm like damn, like everyone's kind of casual here, man. It's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Chicken liver crostini with pickled red onions. <sighs> yeah. First bite. Yep. Normally, I'm not ordering chicken liver. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Order it. I'm like, dude, this is amazing. Mm. Roasted coel with uh, figs, soft polenta with fontina cheese and Vincenzo sauce uh, with the fennel sausage. So I take a bite of the quail and I, and I check with Adam. I'm like, hey, does the quail supposed to be red? I had no clue at this point. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, trust me, it's going to be good. Take a bite. I like fucking fall out of the seat. <laughs> and I'm like, Adam, could you... Did you ask the chef to come over? Mm. And Craig comes over. At this point, he's still kind of expoing. Mm -hmm. You know, he's still like, you know, still in the grind of being there every day and working the line. And uh, I said, chef, you, you don't know me, but I do my externship in a year and a half and I would love to come work here for free. And he's like, sure, great. Right there on the spot. Yeah, shake his hand and I come back a year and a half later. And like, chef, do you remember me? He's like, yeah, I remember you. You sat at the counter with your girlfriend, right? Yeah, we'd love to have you. But the kicker in the push that I needed to really get in, my, you know, another one of my mentors, Tannis Reinhertz, who was the front of the house director of City College. Okay. She actually passed on my birthday a couple of years ago. One of the best humans ever. She was the example of what amazing black women are. Half black, half Jewish, just just the mm. best fucking human. Best of both worlds. Man, just good people, good people. I think about, you know, when people leave the earth, I think that some energy in, in humans can't really be replaced. Mm. And the void. Yeah, she's one of those people. Yeah. There's no, I have no other example in my life to compare her to the wow. good, great work that she's done. Wow. She's she's with you though. Yeah, some of that energy yeah, is still with you. Yeah, she helped send me to France, man, to cook over there. Or City College does a trip. Mr. Stellman was the person that would do a trip to France every year with the students. Mm -hmm. Was your trip over there before Delphina? It was no. It was during. During whoa, okay. Yeah, so I did the externship, went to France, came back, had dinner there. So Ms. Reinhardt and Annie worked together back in the day. Okay. I come to school one day and I'm like, I'm like, Ms. Reinhardt, why are you, why are you smiling so hard? She was like, oh, I got some good news for you. She's like, I think you'll be doing your externship at Delfina. Mm. I'm like, really? She's like, yeah. But the internship or externship, you needed to come two days a week. You needed to complete a certain amount of hours. I think mm -hmm. it was uh, 200 work hours. Okay. I got this from my uncle. In order to be successful at something, you need to act like you fucking work there. Mm. So what did I do? This is a luxury of being young and living with, living with your mom. Mm -hmm. I went there Monday through Friday. Mm. Instead of going for four hours, I showed up when the cooks showed up. So I showed up at noon. I left at 10 every day. And I busted my hump. And when I, when I left for France and came back, I came back and had dinner there with, with two of my friends. 
and the pizzeria had been being built and, mm-hmm. and aren't people doing R&D mm-hmm. pieces are coming back and forth. And like Craig's like walking to the dining room, a hotel pan or something. I, I don't <laughs> remember what it was, but he's like walking and he stops and like walks back in reverse. And he's like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? I was like, I got work. He's like, hey, can you come in? I'm like, uh, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what do you what do you want? He's like, All right, I want you to help open the pizzeria. I was like, cool. You like walk back out and like the rest is history. I told my job. So that was a job job? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I would have worked there for free. Mm-hmm. You were ready to, but yeah. he's like, no, no, no. No. We're we're gonna pay you. Okay. So you opened the first Pizzeria Delfina. That was the first, am I right? That's the first. Okay. That's a big deal. It is, man. I didn't I didn't realize how big of how big of a deal it was gonna be until it was. Mm-hmm. I remember like the first, you know, Michael Bauer coming in for the first time and us having a not so great review. I think it was mm-hmm. just two star mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just like, nah, we need three star. Mm-hmm. And so I remember coming in one day and it's like, oh, um, the whole menu's changed like overnight. I'm like, okay. Dang. And I knew like in that moment, I was like, all right, don't say shit. Put your head down, ask clarifying questions, take, take really good notes and be ready for the ride. And, and that's when, when we got that first review that wasn't, that was a two star and, and it didn't, it, it, it didn't hit the marks that Chef wanted to hit. Then I think, you know, things change and then it, it started to elevate from there. Okay. A good experience. And under- you were part of that. Yeah. I was a part of executing. I don't know if I was part of any of the media development, but I was definitely <laughs> a part of the making sure that those things were executed and learning those lessons. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember, you know, heirloom tomatoes are in season and our early girls are in season, making making something. And mm-hmm. Chef's like, what do you think? I'm like, oh, it's good. I'm like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> like, I know this, I know I like these flavors. He's mm-hmm. like, all right, well, in order to understand the dish, you have to eat the whole thing. And I'm like, why? So I like take two bites and I'm like in the weeds. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I got mise en place to do. Let me put mm-hmm. this in the back and like comes back from the like an hour lady like comes back from the from the restaurant and he like he's like looking around he's like chef you need to eat the whole thing and i'm like i'm in the weeds he's like i don't give a fuck he didn't say though craig's a pretty kind dude he doesn't that's not his energy yeah but he's like no you, you need to he's like i don't care like you need to eat the whole thing mm-hmm. and the, the the significance of that is in order to really understand something that you're making on a dish you need to really you need you need to eat the whole thing you need to experience what the diner is experiencing one bite is always different yeah like if people are handing out samples it's always going to taste different than if you sat down and ate the whole thing always and that's how i distinguish whether whether we do a 16 ounce bowl of gumbo versus a 24 ounce bowl of gumbo I don't, I'm a big guy, but I don't eat a lot of food. So 16 ounce is fine for me. Mm-hmm. But my sons will crush a 24 ounce. <laughs> they got metabolism, that's right. why. <laughs> so yeah, so that's that's the that was the thought there, but you know, a lot of a lot of good lessons. Let's hear about gumbo. Yeah. And before we were rolling, I asked, or I, I mentioned as like, I want to hear how you found gumbo or how gumbo found you. Yeah. However it happened. You know, my first memory of gumbo is, you know, being five or six, everyone coming together, it's mm-hmm. Christmas, sausage, chicken, the, you know, gumbo filet, just the smells of the house and, 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 and seeing a bunch of seafood, 
this person, hey, we're waiting to get the shrimp because Uncle Larry or Tom or whoever is bringing it. People kind of communing together to to get their portion of the gumbo, but also contributing to the pot. Hmm. I remember grandma, man, just on that cast iron skillet, man, cooking the roux real slow. Back up. (laughs) Back up. You don't want none of this on you. You know, so my, my grandmother, my grandmother talks shit, man. I love it. <laughs> Get your ass out of here. <laughs> she's, she's from the South, man. Yeah. The spirit of like talking about the food and, and why it was important to her. I can just remember those memories. And so that's the first time having a gumbo. So when was it and perhaps why, like what was the context of you deciding and doing what eventually became Gumbo Social. How'd yeah. that come about? Yeah, so a couple of couple of couple of things. Um I wanted to find a dish that was controversial. Hmm. And at this point in my entrepreneurial journey, I'm thinking about like content and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It's like I need something that is going to be fun to talk about, controversial, and I need to something that we can create banter around. Mm-hmm. And the first something with a story, would you say? Yeah, yeah. And then gumbo's got a story. I would always do gumbo on Christmas, mm-hmm. and you know, folks would come over and say, like, "Oh man, it's the best gumbo I ever had in my life." Mm. I'm like, "Oh yeah, cool, whatever." But what I started doing is my best friend has a shellfish allergy, so it's so extreme for him. If he smells it, he starts to break out. Oh wow! And so what I, in order to get him to come to to the house, I would need to cook the seafood separately. Mm-hmm. And so one day I was like, oh, cool, let's do king let's do king lobster, king crab, let's do some lobster, let's do scallops, mussels. Let's just like, let's just play. Mm-hmm. Why not? You know, someone's like, mussels and gumbo. It's like, well, whatever. Like, you don't have to put it in there, but why not? And so, you know, my friends come over, I'm sauteing up the seafood. Everyone, I'm like literally taking orders like it's a restaurant, people are getting their own customized bowl of gumbo. <laughs> Nice. And I can remember my fr- my friend Tricell, he like, this guy can eat. And he's like, dude, can I pay you for mm. some of this to take home? Mm-hmm. I'm like, nah, you can't <laughs> yeah. pay me. But that was the start of, okay, cool. And then there was the social piece. Like everyone was there. We were having a good time. We were drinking. We were talking shit. We were talking about our goals for the next year. We were talking about things that happened this prior year. We were talking about people who we lost. We're talking about the kids we want to have. We're talking about all these things and bonding over some food that I made, which happened to be gumbo at the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, like, I think I'm like falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. And my, my brother's like, what are you talking about? So I'm falling in love with this gumbo, man. I'm really feeling doing this. Mm-hmm. He's like, whatever. You always think about doing a concept or something. Mm-hmm. And then we start, I start building it from there. And what, how long ago was this? Uh, this is 2017. Okay. Where I started playing with the concept, hosting people at the house and just kind of tweaking things here and there. Mm-hmm. 2018 is when it takes off. Okay. 2019 pop-ups, free events. And the first year, two years was free. I could just remember, you know, we, the first day we did it, you know, we, me and my brother, <laughs> Hakeem, we, we, we got there, 7 a.m., unloaded, set up, and I was super unprepared. Mm. And we we did it, 
and we sold out of every ounce of whatever we had by noon. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. So the next week, the breakfast sandwich. Is that when it was born? It was born the next week. The first thing I identified was, I was like, oh, there's no, no, there's no breakfast food. Mm -hmm. And now I think we started a culture around, you know, Salima's uh, tortillas. You know, she does a a breakfast burrito, which are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, Smoking D's, he does a breakfast thing now. So people are more breakfast offerings now. But my idea was we need to have something here to feed the farmers. These guys are coming from Fresno. Mm-hmm. They're coming from Timbuktu. We need to have mm-hmm. something available for them. That's that was awesome. my, that was that was the person I was thinking about when I created the breakfast sandwich. In the beginning, we were making them. We we're putting some ham together, doing this and that. It got to the point I can remember one one Sunday morning, we were so busy, and we had like probably twenty breakfast sandwiches on order. And I was like, I had to like tell the crowd, like, hey guys, I know you guys have been waiting, but I have to stop cooking. I have to use the bathroom. Mm. <laughs> right. And Just that, real. And at that moment, I, I, I felt like folks were like, yeah, we, we're here. They had you. We got you. Yeah. Yeah. How did it come about that you even envisioned a brick and mortar? I didn't want to do a restaurant. Okay. I didn't. I never wanted this to be a restaurant. I always wanted this just to be a pop up and something cool that I did. Um, I, when I started doing the math, I, I was like, "Hey, we don't survive just on doing farmers markets. It's just cool if I'm doing a full time job in this. Mm-hmm. But in order for the company to grow, it, it had to. We needed a, a retail space where we can constantly serve people and, and grow. Mm-hmm. And so uh, an opportunity came up. The universe said it was time. And uh, you got to listen to the universe. Yeah, the deal, you know, a deal came through. We had opportunity to seize a space, you know, and, and we're working through that right now. And the goal is to we're in the space now, but to get it where we need it to be, get it re- renovated and make it beautiful in here and, and start serving people. And open those doors. Yeah. And just make people happy. That's it. I love it. Any final thoughts before we wrap? Uh, yeah. You know, if, if folks haven't had opportunity to to kiss their loved ones, do so as soon as you can. You never know when we won't be here and you got any issues with those people, settle them. Life's too long to be mad at people. If you haven't had our gumbo, I urge folks to come out and find us and give us a try, give us a chance. And uh, just on the record, you know, I I tell folks to eat more gumbo and, you know, love, peace, and gumbo grease. (laughs) Hell yes. That was Dante Ball. Just a reminder to check out Gumbo Social at Sunset Mercantile every Sunday morning. Their brick and mortar spot on 3rd Street opens this spring. So follow them on social media for the exact date. We've got a surprise for you next week on Valentine's Day. Check back next Tuesday for episode 11. And special thanks to sound designer Kayla Anchel, who did great work on this episode and part one. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, 
Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.